I am the Animist, and you are watching the Video and Company Podcast, a podcast where we talk about filmmaking and running a video production business. Today, we have Andrew Huggins, an award-winning short film director and writer from North Carolina. We talk about two of his latest films that have been very successful in the festival circuit, and we also talk about his freelance career and how to plan and produce better narrative work. We also talk about his influences and how film has affected our work. So here is Andrew Huggins. Uh, for people that don't know who you are, tell me um, like how you got started and like where you are now in your career, and uh, just introduce yourself. Okay, cool. Uh, my name's Andrew Huggins. Um, I've been making films, I guess, uh, on a professional level for five or six years now. Um, went to the Art Institute of Charlotte uh, in 2010 to get uh, a bachelor's degree in filmmaking. I spent about three and a half years there. Towards the end of 2013, I graduated from there. Took a little time off just from the grind of going to school for 24 years of my life just to kind of uh, do nothing for like six months. Then I started working again. Um, I worked in retail at GameStop and Adidas from when I, uh, since I was 16 uh, until I was like 25. So there's some time off there, but I, I went back to working in retail and I was like, you know, I have this filmmaking degree. I love making films. You know, I want to get back into it. And uh, so I got a job with House Lens, um, real estate photos and videos. Started working for them, eventually quit retail, and then went freelance full time. And I've been doing that for four or five years now. Okay. Yeah. So, like, the initial stuff, like, what were the first, like, paying gigs that you got to do? Um, probably stuff that... I got right after I graduated or a little while after I graduated uh, from teachers that I had good relationships with and they would bring me on to, uh, you know, for like a hundred dollars as a PA or something, yeah. uh, you know, on like grocery store commercials or um, I live in Concord. So I ended up shooting a lot of motorsports stuff. Uh, I haven't in a while, but uh, I was doing some motorsports stuff through uh, one of my teachers. And then that, ended up spiraling into this whole other thing I was doing on my own, uh, with Hendrick Motorsports and Ray Everham Enterprises. But anyway, the, uh, yeah, the first few things, I mean, a lot of it was unpaid stuff. Like when you're a, still a student and a teacher like is making his own music video or something, he'll just grab a bunch of students and be like, you guys will be, or be, the, will be the PAs. But, um, yeah, it was just a grind of like three years or so of like, getting my rates right. You know, I definitely wasn't getting paid enough right out of school. I was shooting stuff for way too cheap. And then you're like undercutting people and that's not cool. So it took me a while to kind of get my rates right. And then just build relationships with, uh, companies, um, and, uh, get to the point where, you know, this year I, I've had like three days off this year. It's been ridiculous. And I'm, and I'm thankful for it. It's been busy, but, um, you know, that was just the, where I am now is just a product, I guess, of always being open to learning. I mean, it's filmmaking, like the technology changes every year and the approach to directing a video or whatever it is, editing 
changes constantly. So just trying to continue to learn with every single thing I do and then build relationships with people where they can say, yeah, you know what? He was pretty fun. Like, let's just bring him back and do it. You know, yeah, for sure. And I like how your background's kind of similar to mine because, you know, I've only done a couple of episodes of this, but, you know, I talked to a lot of filmmakers and everybody has a completely different background of like how they got to where they are. Yeah. And, you know, some people are the ones that like, work weekends and nights and then have the day jobs and stuff like that. And then, you know, others get hired onto a company yeah. and they, they're kind of just like, they're able to like build that technique yeah. from doing that. But I mean, you know, working a day job and, and doing these kinds of things on the weekends, it like shows that like real passion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, my, yeah, my day job for seven years was GameStop. And, uh, and then for about a year and a half, there was a little gap then after I graduated where I didn't just didn't do anything. Then Adidas for like a year and a half. And that, that was like uh, a grind. And um, I, I just said, I'm going to do film. I mean, whether it's shooting or shooting or editing, maybe someone will pay me to write and direct, but I'm going to do film like full time. I'm not working. Well, and it's interesting. Anymore. Like you're, you're now one of two people that I know that went to like, school like some kind of filmmaking program at yeah school. like the art institute is you know like i know some people that have gone to university that has happened to have a film program right but like wh- how do you i've heard a lot of great things about art institute and when i was younger because i like i was i had a camera in my hand since i was like 16 yeah so i was like really thinking about it but it was just kind of daunting yeah but ha- do you think that like it really helped a lot in putting you where you are today yeah it it did the uh the art institute of charlotte um, well, first of all, it's, I'll say you don't have to go to, as you know, you don't have to go to film school to like end up working on a set. It's actually better for you if you just know someone and start working yeah. and so, as a PA or whatever, and just being on set. For me, I thought the Art Institute was worth it. I loved it. Um, I had three instructors, one that uh, specialized in pre-production, one in production and one in post that were <clears throat> really awesome and taught me a, a ton of stuff um, that I still use constantly. Um, so for me, because of those three instructors and the time, 2010 to 2013, that I was there, it was uh, rigorous, it was intense, but it was fun. And it's crazy how lucky I got. Like, I, that three years that I was there, I met about a dozen or so people that I still keep in contact with almost daily that work. We all work on each other's films, which I just got really lucky. There were so many good people, uh, directing or shooting or editing, um, that I got connected with through the art Institute. It's funny though. Uh, now that school doesn't exist. Like I have a degree from a school that doesn't exist. Like it closed down. There were like lawsuits against it or something. I don't know all the details, but I know the film program is no longer. So it's kind of this like, it's got this mystique of like, what was that like? Yeah. What was that like? It's like, well, because I thought there was one, Winston Salem, something like that, out there. Yeah, there's the big one, which is consistently ranked in like the top fifteen film schools in the country. Is school North Carolina School of the Arts in Winston? Oh, is that? But is that a art institute? It's not. Oh, no, okay. it's it's probably much better than an art institute. Because I think Jeff Nichols went there. Jeff Nichols went there. Yep. Yeah, I love Jeff Nichols. Um, Peter Bogdanovich, like teaches there or or did teach there um uh danny mcbride and jody hill and that whole bunch that shoot like eastbound and down and righteous gemstones they went there um that's that's a i've got some friends that went there um 
most of the people I know that went there specialized in cinematography and they're phenomenal cinematographers. So they're doing good stuff up there, I think. Do you think like in school, like when, where you went to school that like you learned a lot of your like technical and like ways to polish your creative or like, do you feel like it was a lot of like the mo the biggest benefit you got out of it was connections? Uh, both. Yeah. The, the, uh, you have to learn how to turn on a camera at some point. Like I do know people that have gone through film programs and somehow managed to like not shoot really anything. Yeah. Um, but for me it was like, let's learn it all. Like let's like going into it. I was a, English major at UNCC for a year before I ended up at Art Institute. So I love to write. And I was like, I'm, I want to like, I want to write screenplays and get good at that. Um, but, and then the learning, learning cinematography was super daunting. I only started shooting my own films like the last couple of years. Um, you know, that's a long road of like, you just have to shoot a lot of stuff before yep. you kind of, get good with it but the technical stuff um school was great for that although like the only cameras we used which were like nice at the time i guess were like um you know canon 5d mark ii's that's what we shot uh my thesis film on in school and like some older panasonic cameras that were like recorded on mini db tapes mm -hmm. which like that <laughs> knowledge has not come back to help me in any way yeah. since but but we you know we learned um we learned the technical part of filmmaking for sure but i'd say in the larger scheme of things the greater benefit has been was the connections right out of school uh will davis and rusty sheridan were two teachers i worked closely with and uh i worked with them on a bunch of stuff right out of school got me kind of got the ball rolling um once I had graduated and, you know, I appreciate them doing that for me. Um, so the connect, the connection is probably the biggest thing, which is why you don't really have to go to film school. You can just meet the right people and get yeah. on sets and learn how to shoot. And, you know, I, all the time when I'm editing, I just YouTube tutorials. Like yeah, when I have a question, too. that's just the, what we live in now. You yeah. Know? So like, do you find yourself in this, you know, this could apply to like your narrative filmmaking and it could also apply to your freelance. But mm -hmm. like, do you find yourself and I perceive you based on like what I've seen online and what I've read yeah. that you pretty much are like kind of are at the top of like, are your productions? Do you ever do like just crew work where you're like, you know, every, I know everybody does the collaborative effort. Even yeah. If there is like a, some kind of hierarchy. Yeah. But is there anything, anytime that you're ever like just, you know, crew member on or yeah. just a side lateral kind of hierarchy. Yeah. And I, I, I do do that sometimes. And I hope I always do that. Um, I boom opt on a awesome civil war short that a friend of mine made about a year and a half ago. Uh, a good friend of mine was sound mixing and he was like, Hey, you want to, it's four days in the mountains of Virginia. You want to be my boom up? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I assistant direct AD probably like a dozen short films, um, and, uh, that you're still kind of at the top when you do that. Cause although I don't really yell at anybody or boss people around when I do that, I'm actually not a very good AD, <laughs> but, um, I don't really work like I, as an AC or like a, a grip or anything. I mean, if, that, if stuff like that needs to be done and I'm like ADing or something on a small six man crew, like absolutely. We all do each other's jobs at times, you yeah. know, but yeah, I think, uh, working, 
somewhere beneath director is super helpful at least a couple times a year, maybe on shorts or whatever to remind yourself like, you know, what these people that have come out to help, like if I'm directing something, what these, you know, five to eight people are doing and remind myself like it's hard work sometimes. And, uh, you know, to remain appreciative of everybody, you know, I mean, gripping is like super hard and, ACing is like, I mean, a first AC has so much pressure on them. Like, I I do think it's important to you know do that kind of work yeah, if you can. For sure, I I feel bad because I've um I've always had this perception of like anything I do, it's like my baby. Yeah, and it's hard for me to get out of that. And like I've been trying to push myself to like get myself out of that zone. So yeah. I try to do that more often. And um, sometimes I mess up and I and I I will go work on a crew for free and then it's like I, I kind of like have my head in my hands because I'm like this is nonsense like every everything is going wrong it yeah. seems and it's like this reminds me why I try to like why I'm such a lone wolf so yeah. to speak but you know I really want to like find myself into those spots where I can like grow and I really think like meeting a lot of these filmmakers lately has really helped with like yeah doing that and creating more of a community yeah for sure and having it grow yeah um so you right now are kind of i even saw you just posted on instagram that you had completely forgotten that you got into a festival which yeah might be strange (laughs) for some people to just have forgotten but uh so you have a film that's in the festival circuit right now and is doing really well um tell us a little bit about that yeah the the most well not the most recent film we've made but we a film we made in uh December and January of uh, this last winter called Soul Bones uh, is is doing okay. It's doing good. I mean, it's it's uh, I don't want to say like, yeah, it's it's killing it. It's amazing because, it, you know, I like to be realistic about it. There's a rejection for every acceptance. Yeah. And I, th- you know, as far as festivals go, in my experience anyway. But, um, yeah, it's an 11 minute short. Um, I wrote it like four years ago so it just sat there (coughs) excuse me for like three years then we made it finally made it um then i edited it together had some pretty massive second thoughts about like what i'd actually made shot a, a another couple of just like three additional shots edited that in released it to film festivals and uh it's it's doing you know i'm pleased with what it's doing so far it's uh it's it's i think with this one like for me it's my favorite one that i've made maybe that's just because it was a four year thing of thinking about that script a lot and finally seeing it come together just in a amazing cast and uh the best crew i mean we were copying and pasting crew members it was three shoot days but like one of them was a friday and like to ask people to help you you know, they have a job, you know, like on a Friday. So we were like, we were trying to, you know, make sure we had enough crew for all three days. And then we got snowed out our third day of shooting in uh, December. So the only day I could get everyone's schedules together was like five weeks after that in January. And it was a painful five weeks of like waiting to finish filming it to see if I had something I liked. And, but um, yeah, I'm proud of it. I think, 
um, I like to think of it as like some people or festivals anyway. I think like half of them think it's poignant and half of it, th- half of them think it's pointless. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a weird narrative and yeah. it's kind of experimental and the ending is kind of experimental. So, but it's been fun so far. I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing that one through the rest of this year and just hope that I can go to some screenings. I still haven't been to a screening of it in person yet. I just haven't been able to go. Right. Well, I mean, you can flex a little. Like, I, it's, I know it's been nominated several times. I would say, yeah, like more than five nominated. Yeah, it's probably got like with different online festivals and then some uh, like live festivals. It's probably got like <clears throat> fifteen nominations, something like that. And it's got it's it's picked up like about the same amount of awards. I think. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And like. I've been super excited to see it. Um, I yeah, actually, I'm going to post it publicly soon. I'm tired of just having it sitting yeah. there on Vimeo. <laughs> and it's crazy to obsess over 11 minutes for four years. Yeah. But, like, I kind of know where you're going. Like, I – and I really respect that you are able to constantly come out with these stories because you write a lot of what you direct, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just crazy that you always have these stories because I have, like, maybe two or three stories that I've had for, like, five years, and they just sit there. Yeah. They just sit there, but it's like – they're they're gonna be great. I just don't want to. I can't add on to it because it'll take away from the three that are great. Yeah. Kind of thing. So that's like really yeah. hard to con- continuously come up with some stuff. And I yeah. mean, the the latest thing I think I saw was the Civil War thing where the woman escapes and the yeah soldiers come. Yeah. Well, that was called uh, Civil Civil. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I didn't know the name of it until the end when it came on the screen, and I yeah. was like, the juxtaposition. Of it was like, yeah, meant two things. I'm sure that was on purpose. Yeah, that it's like completely uncivil. Yeah, but like, yeah, that whole thing was put together so well. Like, that was obviously like so many great, um, talented people on set, and you Thank know, you, there man. was talented it was, a- yeah. acting, talented yeah. editing, but like tying all those things together, like that knot that ties them together is the directing. And yeah, I actually watched your stuff backwards so oh, yeah. I, I went and watched older stuff um and then i got all the way through I, I didn't watch everything i've been wanting to watch everything that was on your website um i still haven't gotten to bishop boys oh yeah but um by the time i got to civil i was just like man that was like if if soul bones is anything like this one like or or better like i really see a promising future well thanks man yeah civil was probably the most like successful one that one played at like 40 festivals and um it it was we just packed so much into that seven minutes like it's there's just a lot of stuff going on in that film um and uh it's still my favorite it's been so weird man because that one was like i'd made some other shorts we made that four years ago in 2015 and i'd made some other shorts but that one took off a little bit, I guess, so to speak. Like it, I was able to travel, um, around the Southeast a good bit repping that film. And, uh, then it was like everything after it has to kind of live up to it, you know? And I don't know if it has, but, um, after that I did a, uh, another one that I had had thoughts on and, um, wanted to make for years. It was an adaptation called Goodman. And, uh, it was that there was like, there was some pressure, I think a little bit like, 
well, Goodman's got to be better than Civil. And it's like, well, it does. You know, every film's its own thing. But Civil was definitely, it was just a blast to make. We shot it in one day. It was probably the best cast that I've had on anything. Catherine Trail, Mike Ruff, Devin Walker, Zach Ball, Rashunda Anthony. And they were just kind of living in that dread of, what's in the story for that afternoon and it was fun to watch you know i i don't i tell people like i don't know what people think directing is but i don't like pull actors to the side and like scream at them to make them cry i know some people do but i just uh i give them character backstories mm -hmm. and just anything i can think of on what's led their character up to the moment that's in that that we're filming and uh like so that stuff in the barn <clears throat> is entirely just Catherine Trail doing her doing her thing and um she would go off and walk around by herself and like just kind of uh sink into this weird place and to get that performance that's in the barn. But um yeah, that was that project was a blast, man. Yeah, it was intense. Like I think the thing I like about it the most was like the pacing, which mm -hmm. and like how everything was cohesive. And like it kind of it kind of goes into something that I wanted to ask you about later, but um, I guess we can take care of it as the like the format of a short film versus mm -hmm. really anything else. But I guess mainly um, a feature. Yeah, is that like I feel like format, and this is what they talked about in the um, Sundance thing that I was telling you about. Is mm -hmm. that like it was all about like if you can make it, kind of have its own unique like presentation mm -hmm. where it doesn't feel like you're cramming 30 minutes into 15 yeah or an hour into 10 yeah and i think the way the reason the pacing was so perfect and civil was because it was like from the beginning of the film to the end of the film was the exact time of the day yeah yeah exactly yeah um and that was something that was kind of so i was talking with my dp leading up to the shooting of that i was like yeah this is all like Everything you see, I think there's one shot that cuts t technically the way it cuts, like they're running to the barn and then it cuts. No, I was going to say it jumps time, but I think you see their whole run up to the barn. It's like all real time, yeah. you know? So, um, and that's something I haven't really thought about a lot with my shorts is like having each of them have their own presentation in a way, but we, I, I think we did get it right with civil to where it was, um, in real time thematically, there's a lot of ups and downs without the credits. It's like a seven minute film. Shorter is always better as yeah. a short filmmaker. Like I, the first film I ever made my senior thesis film in school is called where the wolves lie. And it's 22 minutes. And it's like you said, it's that film was packing, an hour's worth of story ideas into 22 minutes. So it was just kind of, that was a learning experience. Right. So then, you know, a few years later we made civil and I think we all grew in terms of how we were going to tell a story that packed a lot into just a short amount of time. Yeah, exactly. And I've always felt like short films. Um, well, I guess that goes into the presentation and the real time that like, to me when i watch short films and it's weird because i don't i don't i'm not in the festival um culture like i don't 
read about it too much. I don't watch it. Like I was mm-hmm. really into it when I was like 17. Yeah. Like I got like the indie magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've like separated myself from it um, because like I feel like Sundance hit its like pinnacle for me in like 2011. Like mm-hmm. 2011 just like everything that was coming out indie was great. And then, yeah. then it's just been up and down yeah. for the past decade. But um, I've noticed that I gravitate towards short films where it's like there's a whole movie you could have because you have backstory and then you have like context of like what you might think later happens. And the yeah. short film is literally, we just take like 10 minutes out of that. Yeah, and it's exactly. Just like, but how you prelude everything to it where it like makes sense. That's where like the like real um, test of showing like talent. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree with that. The first one we did where I was thinking of it in terms of that, um, where you could take it, like you could take it, it could be a scene from a feature production wise, and you could just literally, it's just one scene out of something way larger was one, uh, the second civil war when we did grit called grit. Um, and that's that, that was in winter of 2014. Um, and that, I kind of thought about it that way, that one, that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, how you can you can get away in short films. You can totally get away, I hope, because Soul Bones is kind of like this, where you tell a portion of the story and you at the end you leave the other portion for the audience to like discover themselves. Mm-hmm. Can't really do, I mean people do it in features. Kind of frustrates me when I see that in the you kind of in 90 minutes you want all the questions answered, sort of. I love you it. Know. Yeah, my so, friends hate it when a movie ends abruptly, and I'm like, it's immediately a classic in my opinion. Yeah, as soon as just leave me hanging, please. Yeah, no, I when they, when the, a good filmmaker does it in a feature length film, and they do kind of leave you hanging, but then your mind starts racing of all the all the details that led up to that kind of ending, and if it like supports it, it's me too. I yeah. love that stuff. In short films, you can get away with it more, I guess, because it's you know if it's 10, 11 minutes, whatever, it's. Um, you've shown the audience for me, it's always just about the characters. I've been so blessed with these awesome actors. Um, pretty much all of which are like Charlotte based. Um, and you create characters that people would either want to hang out with. Maybe they really hate them like the captain and civil. I mean, everyone hates that guy, but Mike Ruff's an amazing actor. So that's like why they hate him. But, um, you know, just characters that, that stand on their own. And that's what, um, I've been blessed to have actors that, have totally embodied whatever information I give them on their character. And hopefully my story is strong enough with each film, but even if it's not like those characters stand out and they're memorable and they support whatever narrative I'm trying to tell. Yeah. And I mean that, that actor director um, relationship is like super important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I've, I, I haven't had, uh, I haven't had a negative experience with, with anybody in any of my films and it's just so fun to talk about the character and to kind of uh you know and i love it when actors come up and they're like even if it's like on set and it like slows us down like they'll come up man i'm just thinking of, i'm thinking what if i do this like what if i do this instead of that and my answer to that's like always yes because um it's just well it's logistically better to have options and better yeah. to have more footage but also it's like what he's doing in that moment is super organic and like that's cool because if you try to plan every single step every single action and we do you know you plan try to it never 
never works out the way you want it to, I guess, hundred percent. But if you try to plan every single thing, you lose some of that like natural organic flavor of like, he did that in that moment as a reaction to like this or whatever, this part of the scene, whatever it is. And like, that's special. And like, um, I've definitely used moments like that in my films. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, so for anyone that like, for me, for instance, I probably don't have the best perception of how um, film festivals work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have a lot of experience in dealing with them and knowing about them. So for mm -hmm. someone who like thinks the way it was 10, 15 years ago, where it's like there's about like six big ones in the world or the continent. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a couple small ones in like university towns and stuff like that yeah for someone that perceives festivals to be like that like how could you like how would you explain that any differently if it is different yeah that's that's a cool question because um there's hundreds and hundreds of festivals um you kind of just all you have to go off of really is um whatever they put on like filmfreeway.com is what everybody uses now it used to be with outabox.com which was like crazy complicated and weird but um, even I think even Sundance and the big ones use uh, Film Freeway now. And uh, so you go to a, a film festival's page and you read they have like a mission statement and you read that and you read uh, obviously location where it is, what kind of uh, screening, what kind of venue they screen the films in. Uh, if they have pictures of previous festivals, you can go to their social media from that page. So I just spent a lot of time doing that. I, I used to just search um, festivals that were like 20 bucks or less or whatever and get a big list of those and go through and submit to ones that I thought were cool. Um, with Soul Bones, uh, I pretty much was like, screw it. I'm going to just look at everything and uh, submit to the ones that I like and just kind of let the cart rack up, um, you know, just cause that was the first film. It's probably the most professional quality, like just in terms of the production of the film, um, you know, that that's probably the best one we've made. So, but, um, yeah, uh, film festivals, I don't know what they were. I don't exactly know what they were like 10, 15 years ago. I do. I, I I've heard stories of like, you know, people, you had to physically mail, like yeah. your film in and yeah. like and I do remember in the early days for me mailing DVDs that was weird because now it's just a private Vimeo link everyone on Film Freeway every festival gets your password automatically and they can just watch it like it's so easy um but there are tons of them out there so there's the the big heavy hitters um obviously Sundance South by Southwest Toronto International Film Festival, even and Cannes in France for short films. They all accept short films. Um, and then uh, there's kind of like a mid-tier, still upper tier, which would be like the Academy Award qualifying ones, like uh, the Indie Heartland Festival in Indianapolis. And I think like Cleveland International, St. Louis International. There's, you know, there's a lot of big ones in main, huge main cities. But there's a lot of cool, like, you know, smaller um, festivals too, that screen your movie in like an old theater in their downtown area or whatever um, that I found online. But uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing when you're blasting a film out, you know, is just to remember like uh, 
it's film. It's just, it's an art form. Like it's super subjective and you might want to get into it. Well, you, you want to get into every festival, but, um, you know, civil, when it would get into festivals would like win stuff most of the time. And then some festivals would just straight up reject it. So it's like, you know, I, I, I got some people with it, but then other people were like, well, that was stupid or whatever they, they think, you know, soul bones has been that way. It's like, it's kind of an experimental narrative. So it, it, like I said, I think it's like 50, 50 with that one. I mean, it's doing well, but, um, I had to kind of tell myself years ago, like, well, I don't think the acceptances and the rejections have to like weigh out evenly or anything. Like, I think if you, if someone watches it, it's usually a panel of judges. Sometimes maybe it's just one guy. I don't know, but that's part of doing the research on the festival. They usually list their like uh, panel, yeah. you know. And some of them, uh, some festivals we've played at, their panel is like, like these people with amazing credentials, you know. And they'll sometimes they'll think your film is poignant and like beautiful. And other, you know, other panels are like, well. I don't know why I just sat through that. So it's just yeah. super subjective. Do you think like some of them, cause I, I have a hard time thinking um, that like they would, they could see something that like looks great, sounds great. And then there's definitely a story there mm-hmm. and like, there's definitely a good execution and then just be like, Nope. Yeah. I think if you're up against a lot of heavy competition yeah. at like, uh, I haven't submitted to like, no, I did submit. I submitted to. I, I think it was civil. I submitted to Indie Heartland, which is an Academy Award qualifying. So if you win best short film at that festival, it gets put on a list, and mm-hmm. it can ultimately qualify as one of the five live action shorts for the Academy Awards. And um, civil, I thought, like professionally, like we we had nailed everything pretty good, and. Um, you know, they rejected us and I, and I, and I did more research on that festival or whatever. And I was like, man, like this, they got like 7,000 short film submissions. You're up against so much competition. Even if like your film is really slick at some of the bigger festivals, like you have to either have a, 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 a particular kind of message that they really like might even be a theme that they have for, for that year, that particular season. Or um, your film has to be so unique in the first 30 seconds. And I tend to make films that are pretty slow paced. And I love dialogue, like character. Well, Soulbones has like eight lines in it. So that's really? kind of contradictory. Sounds but, like I love it. But yeah, it, yeah, it, Soulbones is very slow paced, little dialogue. I did that on purpose because I, 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 what I was saying is I do love dialogue. And most of my other films are just talking and the mm-hmm. characters built through the dialogue and that somehow tells the narrative or strongly supports it. But, um, you know, you, in the first 30 seconds, you have to have like, it has to look amazing. First of all, it could be shot on a, uh, uh, anything, but it just has to look like so unique and catch their eye, like at a Sundance or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I heard this. So maybe this, uh, is not true, but, um, like their programmers that watch, cause they get 15,000 short film yeah. submissions a year. So their programmers like at the 32nd mark, if it's 
not i mean they really don't watch your whole they can't that's yeah. like impossible yeah. <laughs> there's too many films so at the 30 second mark if it's not just like outrageous in like the best way possible then they'll kind of kick it to the side yeah well and i remember um when i was at that seminar or whatever the one of the programmers he was like the competition's not like if if it looks good and it sounds good like Actually, he said if it sounds good and looks okay, mm-hmm. you actually, like, chop through, like, a good 50%. Yeah. So it's, like, yeah. there's people, like, sending in, you know, just, like, single takes from a VHS recorder, like, no audio. Like, apparently yeah. stuff like that's getting sent in. Yeah. And you never know. Yeah. They have to wade through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that Well, that's a whole other point of sound being crucially important. In my early films, like, you had mentioned the Bishop Boys. That's... That was a, a wild, fun six-minute film we made six years ago. The sound is pretty terrible. You know, it's like that was my – that was still a student film, but um, the sound is so important. That's yeah. – I've told everybody that. Like, if the sound is off in any strange way in the theater, people are noticing it immediately. They're, they might be checking out. If not, they're sighing and they're frustrated not the same with cinematography like most people don't even notice yeah you know a bad shot like yeah. so sound is like so important um since those early films i've been able to work uh with amazing sound mixers like my good friend kevin strom uh has mixed he mixed uh galveston with uh ben foster and he did peanut butter ben falcon foster. yeah which is out now and uh he's doing awesome things but he did sound on like three of my shorts I, yeah. and that's when it, the sound started getting really good in my, yeah my and films. i think you said that you got a sound you've gotten sound um nominations for the latest yeah film. like well there's this yeah um this uh micropolitan film festival the one we were talking about earlier uh that um Sobolds just played at yeah one of the awards it got was uh best sound design i've been thinking about that like i got some great uh notes from mike Reed, a good friend of mine um on like adding like fluorescent light buzzing in the grocery store mm-hmm. scene and stuff like that um so that sound design but i think that award probably most credit goes to gavin harwell for mixing the sound and recording it properly and uh effectively and then um i think people mistake some of alexander arnson's score on soul bones as sound design Mm because it's a weird score so i don't know what that award really be because sound design yeah i mean i put like the buzzing the light buzzing and um the sound of crickets outside when the doors open and you see like stuff like that but um yeah sound is so important sound design is so important and uh, I had a great team on Soul Bones. I've used Alex Arnson for like six films now. He's just, he's a killer composer that I love to work with. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go back into your freelance career a little bit, yeah. but um, I'm having fun with the narrative stuff because I never, go, like, I haven't made a ton of narrative. Like I said, I made a lot of narrative when I was younger. Yeah. And then um, luckily I worked at a place where like our advertising was technically all short skits Mm -hmm. because i have like my background started in sketch comedy that was like the first thing i started doing yeah so i went from like sketch comedy to um like music videos and then it went back into sketch comedy when i got my first full-time like video gig Mm -hmm. and um so we were i was blessed that we were able to just like 
create little shorts. And that was like our advertisements. So yeah. we'd do like one a month. But um, it's fun to talk about the narrative stuff. So like, what are your, what are some of your influences? Yeah. I would, I would guess, I guess you would lean towards directing because like that's what you find yourself as, but like yeah. maybe even like writing styles. Yeah. Like, the, the two primary things I focus on are writing and directing. Um, so guys like Jeff Nichols, always comes to mind um olivier assayas uh as a writer director for sure kelly reichart is uh a huge well i actually yeah i i i like straight up steal shots like from her that i like just frame framings that i really like from her um uh billy wilder to go old school he's he's just like he's insane um you know, there, there's there's filmmakers that absolutely um, stand out to me, and I'll go watch all their stuff and um, have a direct influence in how I maybe frame a shot or how I write a scene. So something I, I'll notice um, is over the past few years, I didn't really think of it this way in film school, but something I noticed is not every scene has to have some finite uh, conclusion or ending, especially with talking with dialogue yeah. scenes like you could have a five page scene of dialogue and it can end and transition to a totally different scene and like nothing was that was said accomplished much of anything but later on it will like right just you know certain things um I, i've noticed i um when i was in film school i was like consciously a big Scorsese fan and Christopher Nolan fan. Um, but as I learned how films were made and I started watching Italian films from uh, the 1950s and German films from the 80s and American films from every decade, like it, it, it opened me up to like, man, you, there's so many ways you can make films. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I got, I can't just be like zoned in on, you know, the way I see them, like, let me like be open to how these amazing filmmakers, I mean, I've like Orson Welles, like there's so much to learn from yeah. his catalog of films. It's insane. You know, it's, I, and it's cool because I, I really don't know too many people that like dive deep into like the older stuff. Um, like I'm really yeah. big into like Shane Carruth got me into French yeah. New Wave. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I, yeah. If I could make French New Wave for the rest of my life, I'd be great. But like, you gotta make money, and you cannot make money with French New Wave. Yeah, Shane Carruth, that's Primer and Upstream Color, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've seen both of those. I loved Primer. Oh my gosh, this is his first film. It was like, it's just, yeah, it's so, it's an insane film conceptually for yeah. like his first film. Um, yeah, and then yeah, I I haven't watched like a ton of Truffaut or Godard. Like, I, I've watched a good bit. I, I, it hasn't taught, I would say it hasn't taught me as much as like maybe uh, Scorsese or, 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 you know, uh, some other directors, but even Spielberg or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's important to like see these things. Yeah. Like the French New Wave was important because nobody was making films like that and no one was quite using the camera that way. Um, like they were, uh, like the French were in like the 1950s and 60s. And it's like, it is fun to 
to go back and visit that stuff. Well, I feel like it definitely predecessed the like the American '90s independent wave. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that's see what that. got me. <clears throat> uh, Clerks one was yeah. what made me realize like I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Clerk. I saw Clerks two in theaters. I had to sneak in because I was sixteen, and it was rated R, obviously. And then I, I told my friend who was taking me, I was like, "I haven't seen Clerks one." He's like, "Oh, don't worry, we'll watch it. We'll we'll watch it, you know, like later this week or whatever." Saw Clerks two, then saw Clerks one, and became a huge Kevin Smith fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I've grown out of the Kevin Smith though. I I, I, feel, I feel bad. No, I, feel I do really too. Bad. Like, yeah. Chasing Amy, and for some reason, I lumped Goodwill Hunting in there because he's, oh, yeah. he's got a ghost producer credit. And I was like, I think he was more involved yeah. than we think. Yeah. But like, Chasing Amy's great and Clerks won. But like, other than that, like, I've just dropped off. But he literally is why I'm here today. Yeah. The, the, the recent ones like Red State and Tusk and Yoga Hosers, I, I just hate them. <laughs> like, no. I don't think they're good films. So, like, how do you see, is, do you find your approach different? between your freelance and your narrative work? Like, do you find that, like, you approach those things, whether it's, like, pre-production or just, like, how you think about stuff? Yeah, um, I definitely approach them different. I try to approach them the same in that you're building relationships with everybody and just, um, you know, be, uh, just to be um, compatible with everybody you know to be open-minded but the narrative stuff is like uh, I've done a few things over the last couple years that I didn't write um, someone else wrote and then I directed and or shot them um, so uh, but if it's something that I wrote myself like I'm approaching it kind of obsessively and kind of like you know just trying to plan everything um, meticulously and we're telling a story. Now I do, it is similar in freelance work in that I'm always trying to tell a story. That's the fun of it. Like even if it's a cheesy internal corporate video, yeah. like it's still a story and let's shoot it that way and let's think of it that way. But, um, you know, there's just inherently there are differences between doing something heavily dramatic in a narrative like Soul Bones or Civil or something and uh, shooting a talking head interview of someone that works in IT for a training <clears throat> training video or yeah. something—it's they're different, but um, uh, you know. So, so I think the approaches are different too. But um, it it it's all it is all fun to me. Like the shooting, even if it's something that's more or less just to pay the bills, and it's kind of like a. Uh, cheesy video or something like it's still super fun to shoot to try to you know shoot images you're proud of uh same goes for editing that stuff mm -hmm. but it's definitely more fun to write a story write a narrative and then direct that narrative that creative process is like what keeps me kind of hooked on keeping to make short film to continue to make short films and uh, hopefully make something feature length. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have any feature ideas? Well, I have a couple feature scripts that I've written. One was just to try to prove to myself that I could write something, uh, substantial. That was like four, four years ago or so I wrote, then I wrote another one, um, that, uh, was a little bit based on some experiences I've had, but it was kind of this sweeping large narrative. I, in my mind, I had planned on making it, trying to make it as my first feature, but 
uh, I've drifted from that idea a little bit and I'm working on a third one. I've written the first two pages of it. So I have uh, a long way to go, but, um, I'm working on a 1950s period piece now. Um, from now to the rest of the year, I want to work on the script and see if it's something that we could shoot maybe next spring. Uh, that would be the tentative plan. Well, yeah. I'm sure working on period pieces is way harder. Like, it's hard enough yeah. as is to, like, make a good film. And yeah. And it's like, all right, now we have to, like, make it the art production. Just, yeah. Just set design and all that stuff like really can be limiting yeah oh yeah i we got straight up rejected from a festival uh with civil because the captain's uniform didn't look dirty enough they so, said that yeah they said they emailed me that so like i was like oh man i, I should have like had mike like roll around in the grass or something but um yeah so wardrobe and props and locations yeah it's it's yeah it's it's tough but um, you know, it's also super fun. Cause that's all, that's all a part of living in that time period. Like I was kind of, uh, you know, stuck in the civil war era. I did three short films in like three years, I think in that era. And, uh, um, it was really fun actually shooting that stuff because, I mean, what you're shooting, you're existing in the 1860s. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, this 1950s idea, uh, a whole other challenge, you know, um, obviously with wardrobe and props, no phones or no cell phones. I mean, um, and uh, um, locations again, you know, I yeah. think I'm going to end up needing like a sheriff's uh, police department, sheriff's uh, kind of building. Uh, and from the 1950s, so it's Might like... find that in Belmont. Yeah, ac actually, people have said Belmont to me. Because um, they have a cigar shop that used to be a jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some old stuff in Belmont, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, like, and, well, I've always tried to make it a rule. I think someone told me this, like, ages ago, and I was like, it's, it makes writing harder, but it makes writing better, and then it makes it easier to like actually learn how to do a story is like take cell phones out of your story. Yeah. Just take it out because oh, it's yeah. too easy to fix things. It's too easy to like, Oh, there's a plot hole, but yep. people always have to be like, Oh, well, why not use a cell phone? It's like, I don't know. Like, but if you don't use it, just ex imagine it's 2018 and cell phones don't exist. It's like, you can tell a better story kind of, yeah, it feels like, yeah, but that's, that's absolutely true. Cell phone. I mean, yeah, they fix every problem. Like <laughs> they, they. I mean, if you're lost in the woods, or you know, it's like a short horror or something, and she's like lost in the woods and is being hunted by this monster or something. Like, oh, she's gonna have a cell phone on yeah. her. Like that's she could either call for help or at the very least put the flashlight on. Like, yeah, and like to escape, like oh, the bad guy did something to the phone. Like one of the yeah, you have to like continually answer all these yeah logistical things. So, like, what would you say your bread and butter for freelance work is? Like, is there a sp specific niche that you kind of, like, fall in line with, like, with client work? That... Um, well, I've, I've been able to freelance uh, in narrative short films this past couple years a little bit. Uh, certain projects um, I'll come in to co-direct. Um, someone will have a script that, they've written, they have me like co-write it with them or something. And mm -hmm. then we end up with co-directing credits. 
I've been able to do some freelance work that way. Um, but the more like nitty gritty stuff would be like um, shooting. You, I mean, for me, you have to shoot and edit to make money. Yeah. Um, I've been able to get paid to write and direct and, you know, a few instances, maybe, you know, a few instances over the past couple years, but you're going to make money if you can make something look good and then go home and edit it together for that client in a reasonable amount of time. So, um, whether it's an interview or just B-roll, I did a lot of motorsports stuff and it was a lot of B-roll of cars. Um, you know, I'd say get good at shooting and editing and then the opportunities to, you don't really get to write very much for like corporate videos or like, um, you know, television shows like that. I mean, I haven't been able to, but, um, I've been able to shoot stuff like that, uh, consistently for a few years now. Um, so shooting and editing is kind of the, the way to go about it. And then, um, you know, if they like what you're doing in, in terms of that, uh, your style of that, they'll have you come in and direct things as well. And then that's obviously, a, a better paycheck and more fun. Yeah. You know? So like, are you, are you hoping to kind of like eventually like fade out the whole, like having to do corporate stuff and just focus on narrative or do you, yeah. is there something part of you that it's like, I enjoys the whole production. It, it would be awesome to just do narrative stuff. I mean, that's my dream of yeah. like, that's why I really think it's time we, we try and make a feature and like eight, nine, 10 day shoot, like make a feature next year. Um, and, uh, and see what happens, see where we can go with it because I would love to be doing what David Lowry is doing or, um, uh, why do I know that name? David Lowry did Ain't Them Body Saints and a Ghost Story, if you've seen those. Yes. Like, just just like he's an independent I filmmaker. Know that was the same guy. Yeah, he did Pete's Dragon, too, I think, for Disney. But um, he, uh, you know, he gets to just, and he just did an adaptation of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight um, in, like, Ireland or something. But, uh, or uh, I always get this guy's name wrong. Daniel Destin Cretton, I think is his name. He did Short Term 12, the feature version of oh, Short love, Term 12. I love Short Term 12. Yeah, and then he did A Glass Castle, which was one of my favorite books. And people didn't like that movie, but I love that movie. But those guys that get to just kind of really plan out their next feature project and uh, make independent feature films. Um, huge stars in those films. Yeah. Casey Affleck, Rooney Mara, Brie Larson, Woody Harrelson. But like it's all about the writing and the storytelling yeah. and they just get to spend a couple months living in that and make it, you know, so that would be like the dream. Um, but I do enjoy doing the corporate work and the, uh, you know, just, uh, last month I got to do, uh, three days of drone flying for my friend's, uh, production company up at Lake Lore, just ca like capturing crazy Lake mountain drone footage. Um, and, uh, you know, so that kind of freelance stuff, like I'll do that forever. That that's just super fun. You know? do, do you get a lot of your like uh, these video gigs? Do you get them just based off like referrals and just like yeah, like yeah? I think what's helped me is starting to focus because cinematography was kind of like a mystery to me, uh, even as recently as like four years ago. So I just kind of just started studying different films. I watched so many films, and. Uh, 
trying to get better at shooting and color grading and then editing so that I can deliver a final image to a client that they say, okay, wow. Yeah. I like that. It looks good. Um, so a lot of it does come from referral. You know, I mean, I've been grinding at it for like five years. So just meeting people and they'll refer me music videos are that way. I shot a music video for this guy, uh, last fall, which led to another artist wanting a video. Um, I've had a few instances like that. And then the original artist is flying me down to Miami in a few weeks to shoot nice. something else for him. You know, do you so. do music videos much other than that? Uh, not a lot. I'll do a few a year. Do you turn them down or do you just not get them? Um, I don't know that I've, well, I have turned down a couple, I think, but, um, I'm usually open to whatever the, you know, the artist wants, um, and, you know, try to suggest things as we go along, um, in terms of how it'll translate to filmmaking. But, um, yeah, I'll do a few a year, probably, uh, some I'm more proud of than others, yeah. but I, I know people like David Fincher started in music videos and I know people personally, great filmmakers that really just focus on music video. I, I don't really get a massive sense of satisfaction out of them. Yeah. Like, um, there's it's, barely any like substance. Yeah. I it's, mean, even if they build some kind of like, I listen to a lot of heavy metal and like the metal video videos are super dark in tone and theme and, uh, they'll, it'll be a short film. Yeah. It'll be like a short, but it's like in that three to four minutes, like the short film is never good. Like, yeah. it's just like, uh, symbolic imagery and it's and it's like a lot of metal videos are pretty yeah like for i mean sure. on a technical level like oh yeah yeah they are but i just don't i feel like and people say this about narrative too and i totally don't disagree with them but music video man everything's been done yeah everything yeah. since they were a thing which would have been what like the 1960s or 70s yeah like every type of music video uh conceptually i feel like has been done so i make them for clients and i'm just retreading this ground over and over of they're performing they're performing they're performing okay now we're building this short super simple narrative and i am excited about um a, my buddy who works in film does vocals for a metal band called vora flux and we're supposed to shoot uh a music their first music video this saturday and uh We've come up with some some ideas that I really dig, and I, I think that'll be a little different than the other ones I've done. But yeah, I definitely like narrative short films where characters can talk yeah. better than music videos. When I'm constantly telling people, like, because I I'm starting to realize that music videos are over like fifty percent of like not I wouldn't say like my monthly, but it's like it's. Eh, it's it's over fifty percent of what I do at this point. Yeah. So it's like I'm starting to realize like I am the music video guy. I should have known this like three years ago. Yeah. But like now it's just hitting me because it's like if you don't do music videos, no one asks you to do music videos. But if all you do is music videos, yeah. all you get asked to do is do music yeah, videos. Yeah, that I yeah. That that's I think that's true. Um and sometimes they pay well and it's it's good freelance work. Yeah. You know? But I also want to be like super passionate about the creative side of it. And so that's why 
I mentioned this this one coming up uh, is in the genre of music that I listen to the most. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that, man, that does help. Create visuals for that. Like, that, that will be fun. Like, making what you love is going to make it easier. And if you keep making that type of stuff, generally, you get that type of stuff. Like, yeah. And, like, previous guests that I had, I'm starting to realize. I mean, I've always realized it, but, you know, I always want to, like, have some kind of, like, um, like input to mm-hmm. the podcast for somebody to learn for something. Is that, like, if you do, what, if you are loving what you do, like, continue doing it because mm-hmm. the more you do it, like, the more, like, that will be what people know you for. Yeah. If you don't. That's very true. Like, I quit doing event work. I hate event work. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. The moment I stopped, I kept, I stopped getting asked. Yeah. The mo- if you keep doing it, you're going to keep being asked to do it. And it's yeah. like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's very true. But, um, and it seems like that's the case with you. Like, you know, you're getting hired now to like direct and write like yeah, that's other things like getting hired. Like that's, yeah. that's that step that takes you to. Yeah. That's been, that's been a lot of fun. Um, directing other people's scripts is quite different than directing stuff that you've written, you know, um, cause you're going to interpret their words in a different way. And, um, but it's been fun. I've done, uh, I think four films, no five. Well, four films in a web series in the past like year and a half that have been other people's stuff that I come in and kind of, uh, take charge of or whatever. And, um, help them create and that's been really fun it's not as fun as something i wrote myself that i make myself that's entirely my thing but um no it's it's i like the collaboration i mean that's everything um even on doing these short films is just vibing with excuse me vibing with somebody and collaborating with them and creating stuff you're all proud of well, speaking of collaboration, and we're actually we're cutting close on time, but like I wanted to definitely touch on this. We actually know some of the same people. Oh, um, cool! So, how do you know Susie Films? Susie Films is uh, Scott Galloway, and I know him from uh, he runs the One Hundred Words Film Festival, and I've done that festival I think three times. I submitted again this year. I submitted something. Um, and I love that film festival. Scott is the best. Uh, he's just like the best guy. He's well, maybe I know like one of his the people, the other people, and the Eric Davis. Works Eric at Davis, films, yeah, right? both of them. Yeah, okay, Eric. All right. Eric, so he's in there too. He moderated the best of screening thing that we did a few months ago. But Scott and Scott and Eric have supported me, man. They've just been really good to me. Scott started doing the Q and A's, like kind of moderating at Joe dance film festival as well. Scott brought me into direct, like, uh, a B unit, uh, camera on, uh, a revolutionary war piece. And I helped like kind of produce it and get the costumes and stuff for it. And, uh, I uh, just have a great relationship with that company. Well, and I saw that, uh, so I didn't know that they were attached to Joe Dance Films, which is local, right? Yeah, Joe Dance, yeah. I just recently saw that, um, you know, Guest of Honor, yeah. short film, that yeah. like that was put into Joe Dance. Yeah, yeah, so that's Justin Robinson, who yeah. that project I mentioned, I boom-opped in the mountains of Virginia for four days. Justin was like, uh, utility man on that. Like he literally was acting in a scene. Like he was like dying as a Confederate soldier. Yeah. And then like you turn around and he was like helping with camera. That's like, wild. So that's, that's where I met him. 
um, uh, I'm pretty stoked. Guest of Honor comes out tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah, he's it. doing he's doing like an online release because he works with the Film Riot guys yeah. and they're doing like an online thing. The trailer looks but, great. Uh, oh yeah, it, it looks awesome. I love period pieces and that just uh, that project looks really great. Yeah, Joe Dance is is the best man. Like it, it's they support you, hundred uh, percent. It's tons of people at the screenings, um, if not sold out, and uh, uh, they show all films with the North Carolina connection. And it's just, it's great. Diane and Mike Rostano, uh kind of run it there. Well, Chip White is now, I think the director of the festival, but Diane and Mike are just the best people and they support me every year. It's awesome. Yeah. Because that one's specific to like, it has to be about North Carolina. North Carolina. Somewhere. Yeah. It used yeah. to be Charlotte, but they opened it up. You can have, I think a North Carolina or a South Carolina connection and you can get in. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't know these people, but your DP, and you mentioned Mike, but yeah. your DP that has you've had as your DP for the past couple films, if I'm not yeah. certain, is Derek Donovan. Yeah. So, like, yeah. can you talk about your relationship with him and how y'all got together? Yeah, nowadays, it, uh, I'd swear the last few times we've been on set together, it's just laughs the whole time. Like, I have to remember to be serious and make a film, because I, 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 I know Derek very well. Um uh, Mike and Derek are a part, and Ashley Chase, uh, our Apple Box Cinema Company, and um, that's who I was flying the drone for uh, last month. But I've known Mike and Derek since film school. They were Art Institute oh, back okay. in the day. So Mike, the first time I met him and worked with him, he came out and helped on my thesis film, and we just 100% clicked. And then I met Derek shortly after that, um, and the first film that I said, I'm going to ask Derek to, I love like what he's shot so far. I'm going to ask him to shoot something for me. was Grit, the second Civil War film, which is about five years ago. And Derek has shot every one of my short films, unless it's been a collaboration where I've co-directed and also DP'd, or I've co-directed and the other director already had a different DP. Derek has shot all my short films, I think. Um, Did he do good, uh, Goodman? He did, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did Civil Goodman, Four Pies. They're completely visually different. Yeah, completely. Like he, well, he, he's like he's studious. He'll like create a lookbook for you uh, for the director on their, you know, on their project, and be like, "This is how I kind of see it," and reference other TV shows and movies. And um, uh, we'll talk about obviously like our shot lists and our framings and stuff and what the camera's doing, if it's moving, whatever it's doing, but it's just, it's always been really easy just to work, to work with Derek. And, uh, I like his compositions better than anyone that I've worked with. Like yeah. he just knows how to, he studies film a lot. So he just knows how to frame something in the most crazy impactful way mm -hmm. within a scene. As you go around getting everyone's coverage, he's, he's, uh, He's he's just really solid. Um, so I've worked with Derek. Yeah, I mean he shot uh, he shot a 24 minute film that's never been well. It played on Directv, but it's never been released really. Uh, called Remnant of Hope. He shot like six of my films, and Mike ads all my films just because he, uh, you know, and I usually ad his films because we're just close and we, yeah. you know, it's it's just so fun to be each other's like second in command and yeah. kind of uh help each other make something you know so because i see you guys on instagram all like together all the time yeah yeah I, mike and Derek, and i've worked they've brought me in to do apple box cinema stuff a few times which i'm super appreciative of and uh 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've worked closely with those guys many, many times. Yeah, because, I mean, like, there's several studios in town that, like, I've just always been, like, that's the spot. Like, that's the level that I see as, like, uh, steps to success. And it's, like, yeah. Digital Spark Studios, Apple Box Cinema, and Caravan. It's, like, yeah. those guys, like, are really doing some outstanding yeah. stuff. In, like, in the I agree, city. yeah. 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 Um, I, w- I don't want to just narrow it to narrative, but at the same time, you know, because like I said, this is kind of like video business, but it's like, you know, whenever you're getting paid, that is business. Yeah. So it's like, what, where are your goals um, for like your career in general? Yeah. So um, the ultimate goal would be to direct independent features with uh, low budgets in perspective of like a $300 million Marvel movie. You know, just give me like two million, and yeah, and you know, but um, you know, independent features, uh, um, and creating story. I mean, I just want to create stories. Like, it's yeah. just super fun uh, to create stories. The two movies that kind of—I don't know if these are good examples, but the two movies that got me into like wanting to learn how to make films and what uh, storytelling, what the potential of storytelling could be. I was 16, I saw The Departed, and I saw Layer Cake, and those still stick with me. Um, I love those kind of movies. Um, I just want to tell uh, feature-length stories. I've told, I have like 20 short films on IMDb yeah. right now. It's like, you know... Um, is it tiring? Uh, yeah, it sort of is, yeah. like, And the reason the last few years have been have picked up and been more of a grind, and I'm thankful for it, but... Um, have been these collaborations where people reach out and they, they have some money and they want to make, uh, you know, something of their own and I'll come in and, and help. But, um, uh, you know, um, I've, I kind of looked at soul bones as like, that's the last short like that. And I made another one because I had a script left over that, uh, qualified for two festivals coming up specific kind of contests, so I did make another one uh, in July, but Soul Bones was kind of like, this is the last short for a while, for a long time at yeah. least. Like I gotta, I gotta, if it just takes me fundraising a little bit and saving up a bunch, like I gotta make a, a feature length film, Finding push myself to write a feature length film yeah. I really like and am proud of, and then make something. And I mean, even like eight days, two, three locations, just make something because then once it's feature length, it's becomes more of a business like we've had like four films screen on direct tv which is awesome through shorts international tv or i forget there's some other pure flicks or so, i don't know what the other one was but um you know but but no one wants to buy your short film like it just yeah. that's just not something yeah. that happens so we make a feature it's more of a business maybe we can sell it gain some momentum keep making them but that's the ultimate goal is to just keep telling stories i feel very blessed i'm 29 and i that's that's what i'm doing right now short films whatever it is that's you know what i dreamed of as a kid loving star wars and lord of the rings and those epic movies Uh, it was always just the characters that made me like okay i want to try to do this myself you know yeah well i admire that well um we actually like this is the longest show I've done yet. Oh, really? So I'm proud of that. Um, <laughs> nice. But we're going to go ahead and wrap up. So I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. And uh, we'll definitely have to like reconnect. Yeah. Sure. Thank you, man. All right. Yeah.